electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner. Front and center this hour, what might be the biggest, most important week of the summer as the Fed meets and mega cap tech companies, as you heard the gang talk about it, begin reporting their earnings tomorrow. We'll debate what's really at stake for your money with our investment committee and fund strats Tom Lee, who will be along in just a few minutes. Joining me for the hour today, Brenda Vangelo, Jim Labenthal, Steve Weiss, Pete Najarian. Good to see everybody on this Monday. We do begin with a look at the markets, the major averages hitting new highs again today. There is the Dow. Good for about 28. S&P 500 is a fractional mover higher. NASDAQ higher by about 14 points. Yield sitting on the 10-year at 127. All right, Pete. Apple, Microsoft, Google, they kick it all off tomorrow. You've got GDP later on. You've got the Fed meeting this week. How much is riding on what we will learn? Yeah, it's a monster week. And as we talked about last Friday, Scott, when I was on with you, we were talking about what am I looking at most that I think is the most influential of that group? I think it's Apple because of the diversification of what Apple is and what Tim Cook has created there. Because of the fact that they've got the services, they've got the wearables, obviously they've got the phone. But we're also going to have to navigate a little bit through what's going on with China and how is the relationship going there. There's a lot of different things, not with Apple, but the U.S. and China and obviously the influence that that could be going forward as well. So there's a lot of different things to, to unpack here when we're looking at all of these earnings. I think Microsoft is crushing it still, especially when I look at what they're doing with Azure and they're stealing market share, not necessarily always from Amazon, but from some of the other players. So I think this is going to be a monstrous week. And obviously, I think Apple is the is the one that's going to stir the, the, the this whole thing up. I think it's amazing just to see what strength that they've had in previous quarters. Can they keep that up? I think they can. I think they're going to put up a big number. All right, Brenda, you got Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, Alphabet all in your book, even though you're underweight tech, which is worth noting versus the benchmark. Nonetheless, these stocks have had a really nice run into these prints now. Apple over a month is up 12.5%, right? That stock's been back near a, a new high. Microsoft, new high. Amazon's been at a high. Google hitting another new record high today. Facebook's up 9%, so it's been a nice run into the number. That raises the bar, though, doesn't it? I think it does. And, I, you know, these stocks had really lagged uh, prior to mid-June. As we know now, as you just mentioned, they've had a really nice move higher more recently. So I think expectations are high going to these numbers, especially after such a tremendous first quarter for many of these companies. But I think, you know, it's important, too, not to lump them all together. I think they each have their own individual story. And just use Amazon as example. I mean, that is one where if we hear more about ad spending and how that could really contribute to their business model and profitability, you know, that's a little bit of a game changer for that company. So I think, you know, there are individual stories here to pay attention to. But I think as a group, we've seen an awfully nice move higher. And we do think there are opportunities elsewhere um, outside of tech um, in a lot of areas, especially within healthcare. There are many names that have really lagged this year and still have very attractive valuations. Tell you what, Jim, I mean, you did get a nice little read through perhaps from Snap onto the ad market, right? For Google and Facebook, Kramer mentioned that in our conversation last Friday on, on Squawk on the Street. 
um, that you could maybe take a little something from that as you look towards the results that are going to be delivered this week. What I want to know from you, though, is it going to be different this time, right? We all remember what happened last quarter. These yeah. companies, one after the other, just yeah. absolutely knocked the cover off the ball in their earnings, and the stocks went the opposite direction. A sell on the news. Now that we're up is what I said, 12 9.99, respectively, on Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, and Facebook. Are we setting ourselves up yet again for a sell on the news? Yeah, I think that's exactly the question to ask. Let me also point out, Scott, it wasn't just the first quarter reports. It was the fourth quarter reports that came out really great, you know, in late January, early February, and the stocks languished, as we know, in February and March. So it really was, you know, almost a six-month consolidation period. I think you've got to differentiate amongst the stocks, though. So if I look at Apple as an example, and that's my top pick within that space, Yes, it has broken out to a new high just a couple of weeks ago, but that breakout is fairly young. It's about, you know, five, six weeks old. And when I look at its valuation, uh, and I see what's going on with the orders to its suppliers going up 20% a couple of weeks ago, I think there's a lot of fundamental and technical reasons to think Apple will continue. You mentioned ads and Google, and yeah, I think Google, you also have to remember Google still, when you look at a five-year chart, chart, lags the rest of the FANG names, so it's still playing catch up there. It's had a fabulous one year run. I think it's going to continue. Microsoft, which I own, is I, I'm, I'm sort of saying at some point this has to top out. I mean, this you look at this chart, it's a workhorse. It's a war horse. But, you know, even a war horse has to take a nap sometime, has to break for lunch. Um, I'm not saying that this that this earnings report is necessarily that. But what I am saying is of those three, Google and Apple uh, are my top picks. And then there's a sleeper in there. You know, Qualcomm's coming up late in the week. Mm -hmm. That's a sleeper as well. That one that one needs to break out. I mean, this is as far as the stock goes, it needs to it needs to break out or else I think it's going to be dead money the rest of the year. Microsoft, by the way, Pete, I'm going to get to you in a second, Weiss. I'll give you a chance to respond to, to him. Pete, because I know how highly you sure. think of, of of Microsoft, by the way, which gets a new street high target today, three hundred and thirty five dollars at Jeffries. Does Microsoft need a little bit of a rest? We pull it up here. I mentioned what the stock has done. You know, it's right there at a high. It's less than a dollar off of a new 52 week high, a new all time high. What do you think? Yeah, I think that they continue to take market share in the space that we're talking about cloud. And because of that, I think that's a huge part of what they're doing. But that's not the only piece to the puzzle of what's going on right now. I think it's all of everything's lining up right now, I think, for Microsoft as well. We got some numbers recently about PC sales and the rest of that type of thing. They feed into that, the gaming world, and we know they're going to get bigger into that as well. So I think that there's a lot of reasons to continue to be very, very bullish on this name. And I don't think it's done yet. As a matter of fact, the options world has been telling us that there's still plenty of upside. They're buying even further upside September, even further upside out in October. So this isn't over yet, in my opinion, and I'm very bullish on what, not, not just tonight, it's not just about tonight, it's the reaction after tonight over the next couple of weeks, or, or, or this week, I should say, the next couple of weeks. And that's what I think is going to be the determining factor. I think that there's plenty of runway still for Microsoft right now. All right, we'll see if that stock hits a new record high as we continue to talk about it on the program today. Yeah. All right, Steve Weiss, who has Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, and Alphabet. Uh, Apple reiterated outperformed today in Baird. They expect strong results. I told you Microsoft's new street high target there. Amazon gets a new target of 48.50 at Credit Suisse. That's a 32 percent 
upside from here. Alphabet reiterated by at MKM Partners. Margins and cloud matter for the second half. Bulls, we told you what that stock hits a new high today. Facebook reiterated by at Bank of America. What do you expect? Because the street just continues day by day by day, week by week to get more bullish. Yeah, and so you came to the right place. So while Farmer Jim's asking the questions, I'm going to give you the answers. And here's the answer. Any one stock doesn't matter. You've got so many reporting, some within minutes of one another, that it's going to be the totality of the reports that's going to be important for the market. But I do expect to sell in the news because the expectations have been set so incredibly high that even if they beat those, they're going to pause. And, and they should. Uh, nothing goes up in a straight line forever, and that's what we've seen. Apple, this is not an important quarter for Apple. The next quarter will be important because that's when they'll have the front end of hopefully a new phone. That's supposed to be, again, the biggest phone they'll ever sell. In terms of Microsoft, people lose sight of the fact that this is like a fashion company with no competition. And by that, I mean that as long as they come out with the new fashion, with the new Windows operating unit, you've got to upgrade. So all the companies will upgrade. So it's got a perfect subscription model. So that, to me, is one that you don't have to worry about that much. In terms of the others, look, Snap, Twitter gave us a good window, as you pointed out correctly, into the advertising market. So the question you do have to ask is, are they taking share, or is the market continuing to expand? My bet is the markets continue to expand. That's where the dollars are going. So I'm fine with these. I don't expect the market to have a huge move either way this week. The Fed meeting is as important as any single or all the companies reporting together. And I think you've seen enough weakening economic news, including home sales today, where Powell is going to keep going with what he's been going. Although there is the chance, and I think they should, do some cutback on the tapering. But you'll hear more voices in the commentary saying that's the way to go. But it's going to be same old, same old with the Fed on Wednesday afternoon. So you so, look, have not given. A lot to get, there's a lot to get excited about. I'm, I'm sorry. There's a lot to get excited about in the market. But at the end of the day, I don't think it'll be very exciting. OK, uh, as I was going to say, and you've done it yet again, you've teed up our next guest perfectly. Because Fundstrat's Tom Lee says a more risk on environment is going to start either this week or next. He is with us right now once again. Tom, good to see you again. Great to see you, Scott. Why is this about to happen, Tom? Uh, I mean, I think the principal reason is uh, we're finally getting some visibility that the Delta variant uh, is rolling over in the UK. And I know it might sound strange to be talking about why the UK matters, but as you know, the Delta variant went parabolic there first in early June. It lasted for 45 days. That country has a vaccination rate similar to the US and I think really demographically similar. And it looks like Delta doesn't just run through the whole country. It finally hits an endpoint. So 45 days later, which was July 17th, it's rolling over. I think that's going to mark the bottom for this whole risk on fear. And that's why we think epicenter stocks really ignite either this week or next week. OK, so J.P. Morgan um, just moments ago was talking about Delta not a serious threat to growth. Goldman's David Costin last night poses a minimal risk. He says, I mean, is that what the market is showing you today, at least for starters, Tom? It's sniffing out the exact U.K. data that you just referenced. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because if you did an overlay of the U.K. and even some of the wiggles, the case trends, that really was the inverse of epicenter stocks. Uh, but it makes sense because the Delta variant scares people because it evades vaccines. Uh, it's a thousand times greater viral load and the R-naught is like nine 
So, so there's a fear that this would be hard to contain. And as you know, that even feeds into monetary policy, CapEx. I think it's something even businesses had to address in earnings calls. So it's pretty central to sort of the reopening narrative. And that's why I'm personally relieved that there is, uh, you know, a break point, you know, that Delta runs out of people to infect. Your target remains 4,600. But you just mentioned it plays into central bank policy. If cases are going to roll over here in the next three to four weeks, doesn't that bring the Fed back on the table to start their taper maybe sooner than people expect? Does that upset your thesis in any way? Um, Scott, that's certainly a risk. Um, But as you know, Delta is one of only six variants that are being studied by the WHO. You know, one another variant of concern is Lambda in Latin America. So I think Delta is sort of a cue of many. And I think there's still going to be central questions about how long vaccinations last before boosters needed. These are all going to be part of the Fed's thinking. So I think compared to where they were in June, there's going to be less reasons for them to feel confident about shifting away from a dovish policy, even if economic data remains robust. So what, what do I do, though, with the, this technology stock question right on the cusp of these huge earnings reports? Are, are we setting ourselves up, Tom, for another sell on the news because the market is then going to start to rotate back to the cyclical stocks and away from tech? Uh, it's a good question, Scott. Um, you know, tech is larger in aggregate than the entire epicenter sector. And we know market breadth has been improving. So to me, the second half 10% rally we're picturing uh, includes technology. And there's a ton of laggards there. You know, Amazon, Apple, are, are, and even Workday, Visa are up less than the market year to date. I just think part of the thinking for large cap investors in the second half is whatever's not up 25% for the full year I'm buying because it's going to catch up. Steve Weiss, you have something for Tom Lee? I do, Tom. Talking, I, I think you're right on, on your analysis on the markets become more comfortable with Delta. I th- just think your timing is a little late. It'll continue. But that's exactly what we saw last week. Delta took the market down on Monday, and then we got all the news, and people start thinking about it and saying, yes, it's much more contagious, but the impact that it has on the economy, any economy, is going to be absolutely minimal because of the vaccination rates, number one, and number two, because those that do get it are generally getting asymptomatic. Again, if you're, if you're vaccinated, the breakthrough I'm talking about infections, they're asymptomatic. There's nothing there. And that given where the economic strength is in this country, those are the highly vaccinated areas. So my point is, that's why the market rallied for four days and such a great rally after Delta took it down on Monday. Steve, uh, if you think this rally that's a Delta relief rally last four days, maybe you're right. I remember in early June, you told me I was late for upgrading FANG early June. It's been up almost 15% since. So I don't, I think it's a relative Yes, word. but it was up a lot, but... Tom, yes, it's up 15 percent then. But look at the move prior to that. Right. But Tom, Uh, Tom, Tom's suggesting that he's he's not late. So what? He he didn't have you don't have to time everything. No, uh, I'd say perfectly. I I mean, right. Okay, so if he's he's five days late, 
Uh, I mean, if you want to score it like that. But his point is that there's going to be a a huge runway ahead, almost 200 S&P points. And a lot of that is going to be driven by the cyclical so-called epicenter stocks in which he claimed. Now, I'm sorry for for jumping in there, Tom. I don't need to put words in your own mouth. You can you can come back at at Weiss in in your own right. And I'll hand you the, the the baton right now to do just that. But I think that's what you're saying. Yes, I agree, Scott. You know, uh, the relief that we expect the market to have if the Delta variant has an endpoint uh, is going to last a long time because, you know, the anxiety has been building for 45 days. We have clients, Zooms. I, I think the central question was always when is Delta going to end? Is this going to make the vaccine effort a failure? You know, what's the next therapeutic? It, it was creating a ton of anxiety. I don't think it's relieved after five days of rally. I think it's going to last months, you know, really into year end. And Steve, Jim Cramer tweeting just a few moments ago, um, it sort of plays on this same theme. Well, not sort of. I think it really does. If COVID peaks, he says, you're going to want to own everything except utilities and consumer packaged goods. You agree with that, Steve? Yeah, I would look, look at the liquidity in the market. Again, I don't think that's new news, right? And, you know, I, look, Tom does phenomenal work. Jim does good work. And I say, welcome to my point of view. So that's what will happen. No, but no, part of the no point, secrets there. Steve, depends, part, of, part of the point where you are. Part right. of the point I think that, that both gentlemen are, are making is that the market is still underestimating the upside once you get past the Delta variant fears. I think if Jim was sitting here, he would say just that. Right. It sounds like that's more of what we're saying here. Not like we get it, but we don't get it enough. Right. Well, well let, let, let's go to a very important point that, that Tom made, which is on the booster shots and the variants. The variants going to keep coming. And right now, the mRNA vaccines, forget about, forget about J&J, forget about AstraZeneca. They're ineffective. If you have a choice, you get the mRNA vaccines. And they are working against the variants. We see information coming out of Israel, which is months ahead of us in terms of the vaccine, Pfizer vaccine. And they're saying that in people 65 and older, you will need a booster. You will need a booster here. So then the question is, what's the uptake on the booster? And will that be a worry for the market? So that could be. And I think that's that's a great point that Tom makes about that. That's why you still want that wall of worry in the market, because if you get that euphoric COVID is done, it's over, bang, then you get a blow off rally. And then, hey, then we're going to rest and retreat for a while. So that's why I'm positive on the market, because I think there's always that apprehension. Tom and liquidity. Tom, Tom, I'll let you respond to that. And then Brenda has a question for you. Uh, Yeah, I agree with Steve. You know, I think there's still plenty to worry about, you know, especially because much of the world doesn't have vaccine penetration. So they have to resort to blunt instruments like shutdowns. So I think the market will have plenty to worry about. But as you know, eventually it leads to a synchronized global recovery, maybe 2022. And and that's going to extend the cycle. You also think, Tom, that stocks like and you, you mentioned these specifically, that Amazon, Visa, Apple have the potential to rally another 20 percent from here? Uh, yeah, easily, because, you know, these are important brand names. They're going to have great growth this year. Their valuations are reasonable. And if there's broad market breadth and tech really has a bid, which we expect because I think rates are behaving, that's going to be a great environment to own tech and fang into your end. Yeah, that's kind of like the, the, the Jim Cramer thing, right? If you get past this, you own everything but utilities 
uh, and yeah. consumer packaged goods, right? I mean, rates are low. You're going to continue to want to own tech if the That's coast right. is clear, so to speak, um, you know, on, on Delta, then you want to own all those epicenter names too. Brenda, what you got? Tom, I'm wondering, what do you think of areas outside of large cap, particularly small cap growth stocks that had a great year last year, but they've really lagged this year up less than 5%. Do you think there's opportunity there heading into the second half of the year? Uh, yeah, I, I like small caps. You know, they're, they've got high beta to cyclicals and they do trade really closely to credit, especially triple C and international stocks. And I think when you look at the linkages, you know, in the last 45 days, two of the three have been tough, right? Because credit hasn't really rallied at triple C levels. And, you know, I think economic visibility weakened. I think all of this is reversing. So IWM and small caps should do better than the S&P in the second half. So something better than 10%. Hey, hey Tom, if, if Kramer says stay away from utilities and consumer packaged goods, what do you say stay away from? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd actually say uh, I agree because we were taking a look at this. Utilities don't look great. Uh, Consumer staples don't look great. I think I'm on the cusp. I'm not sure what to make of real estate because it's been such a great performer year to date. But actually, there's been some relative weakening in the past month. So I, I might even actually throw in REITs. And I, I sound contradictory because I'm kind of in a pro-reflation, pro-asset-based trade. But I think it's just that the cap rates have gotten so low in real estate that it's tough. They've had a nice move um, for certain. Yeah. Farmer Jim for Tom Lee. Yeah. Hey, Tom, always good to have you on the show. And I think, you know, I'm in pretty much lockstep with you, particularly on the FANG and reopening trades. Um, one thing I was looking at this morning, and I'll tell you, it caused me just a little bit of concern. I'd love your take on it is the growth rate projected in earnings for next year over this year has declined from 17 percent at the beginning of the year to 10 percent at the beginning of the year. Now, let's be honest, both sets of number 21 and 22 have shot up. It's just that Obviously, some growth has been pulled forward into this year. And when I look at that 10% growth rate and I compare it to the multiple on the market of 21, does that peg ratio of 2.1 uh, cause you any concern or how, how do you feel about it? Uh, it's a great question, Jim. So if, if I assumed consensus was right uh, and 10% earnings growth, a peg ratio of two is actually appropriate because um, even if growth rates were seven, Actually, I would think that the peg ratio would actually be higher. It's, I know it sounds strange, but peg actually goes higher as you get towards single digits. But I, I think 2022 EPS estimates are grossly low. Most analysts are still only forecasting cyclical stocks to get to 2019 margin levels. I think it's going to be more appropriate to, to think of cyclicals having all-time high in margins because of all this cost-cutting. Plus, they've gone asset light and re-engineered their processes. And then on the net income margin side, I think cost of debt is so low that I think you're going to see eye-popping profit margins next year. So I think S&P earnings could be well above 240, 250. When does the Fed start to take some of the accommodation right. away, Tom? And how's the market really going to react? Uh, yeah, uh, Scott, good question. Because And I'm not a great Fed uh, forecaster. Well, but, you're forecasting everything else, so just let's just let's just go there. Yeah, I think that they're going to err on the side of caution because COVID is not being eradicated by vaccinations. You know that the real solution is going to be therapeutics, or everyone catches COVID, and I think that's the reason the Fed will actually have a dovish tilt. So I think you're still talking 2023, mm, and and the market will be fine whenever it happens, or does that sort of end this? 
current iteration of the party? Well, well, something that we are, our team, our data science team led by Tireless Ken's working on is really examining negative rate regimes, which by the way, uh, is about 25% of all times in history. So it's a pretty extended period of negative real rates. Negative real rate environment, assets like real estate and equities do extraordinarily well. So I think this is a time when stocks may outperform people's expectations for quite a long time. That's a great place to leave it. Tom Lee, appreciate it. As always, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. All right, still ahead, the escalating crackdown in China. Education and property stocks are selling off heavily now. We'll find out what Pete is seeing in the options market with Chinese stocks and how the investment committee is playing that story. And as a reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. We're back right after this. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit odfl.com to learn more. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Back Chinese tech and education stocks plunging today on the latest round of regulatory pressure. Look at those moves, Steve Weiss. We've talked to you about some of these names which you used to invest in in the past, not the ones that are specifically on the screen at that moment, but the Alibabas of the world, for example, which you tell us now you are short again, that you're also short Pinduoduo uh, and B-I-L-I. Can you tell our viewers a little bit more, please? Yeah, you can't own these stocks. It's almost irresponsible as a fund manager to. When people tell me they're cheap, I said, how do you know that? What are you valuing? You own a VIE structure, period, which a lot of lawyers in China and elsewhere think is illegal in China. And Chinese governments always come out against them. So you may wind, wind up with owning a bagel, owning zero. So they are going lower. We're in a Cold War. The new weaponry in Cold War is financial and hacking. This is financial. The Chinese government's cutting back on billionaires. You think they're going to be kind to shareholders in the U.S.? Just get out. Find other ways to lose money if that's your thing or find ways to make money in other tech stocks. Stay away from these. Too much risk. I mean, that's what Kramer said this morning, too. Whatever it is, you have to get out. He said, Pete, I mean, do you dare stick your toe in the options pool here? Because a lot of these names have sold off so much or or what? Yeah, you know what? What we're seeing, Scott, and this is some a tr- certain trends that we do see occasionally with the options world. And what we're seeing lately has been some buying, some upside call buying in some of these names. And a lot of the names that you mentioned as we came in, the TALs of the world and PDD, and you go through the long list, X, you know, the, the, the FXI, all of which have been getting hammered and all of which we're seeing some upside call buying. Here's the thing. 
when they don't when not when they're wrong time after time after time i think those are the times where we have to say you know what we're going to hold off for right now so uh, i would agree with steve and i've said this for a while now those chinese names i am not owning those stocks i'll own the options at times with both calls and puts but in terms of the stocks themselves i think i just think there's too much going on behind the scenes right now to make sense and we can't make sense of it and we don't even know the legalities of a lot of the things that are going on and as steve said this is the cold war and the financial aspect of it so there's a lot going on there's no doubt about it but i think you can be in some of the options here and there i specifically still like the ev space when i'm looking at china but outside of that i think you have to be hands off right now and i think if you're going to want to participate at all it's going to have to be in the options world i mean but what if the evs are next i mean you just you just don't know. You don't know what's next. Like a Neo I'm thinking about, which you have, and maybe you're still in, in, yeah. in one form or another. Yep, yep, you're exactly right. And, you know, there's a lot of these various names, but those in the EV space, uh, if, of the names, I like that one the very best. Um, they've been a lot more right consistently in that name. But, you know, Scott, you're right. I mean, the, the problem right now with these Chinese names is there are so many different things that we just don't know enough and because of that, I think Steve's exactly right. A lot of this is hands off. You're not just trying to pick bottoms, which is never really the right strategy to do anyway. But the reality is when I see Neo, I actually still do react because they've been right in the past. And I, until they start to be wrong more consistently, I'll still be in a name like that. OK, so, Brenda, how do you balance growth versus risk? Because that's what this story comes down to, being enticed by the growth prospects of some of these companies and then having to weigh whatever risk comes along with that story as you are investing in mutual funds or, or whatever on behalf of your clients. Yeah, I think um, you just summed it up perfectly in that this is a still, you know, China is still an incredible growth market, especially considering the consumer and the power that, that can be had there over the next many years, especially relative to the U.S. We also have a, a scenario where valuations broadly are more attractive than the U.S., but it comes at a risk, and it has many times in history come at a risk in investing in China. So our suggestion is to go with a more of a, a broad exposure, not individual stock exposure per se, but investing in an ETF or investing with, I hate to say, an actively managed fund with, with analysts that are on the ground and are really understanding that the nuances of all of these stories and can really uh, build a portfolio around those. But the problem with that, you know, um, I, I, I understand your, your perspective. I, I respect it. Um, FXI, for example, right, if you're just going to buy an ETF and go for a broad swath of stocks, that in and of itself, it's a, almost a new low today. It's sitting 50 cents above that point. That, that just underscores why some are saying just stay away altogether from anything that has exposure. Um, and I'm looking at it right here. It's down 5% today is the FXI. Farmer Jim, how do you, how do you see this? I, first off, I think you know this, that the Chinese stocks are not my cup of tea. It's just not where I play. But I think Steve is absolutely right. All right. This is the front line in the new Cold War that, is, that we're engaging in. The one wrinkle to this is that this does seem to me like the Chinese are cutting off their nose to spite their face. I think what they're doing here is they're responding to the SEC mandate that started in March, where Chinese companies have to report in accordance with American standards. The point being is we're in a, we're in a back and forth 
like one side sh shoots, the other side shoots. There is room for improvement because this isn't good for anybody. It's not good for American investors to see stocks get clobbered, Chinese ADRs get clobbered. It's not good for the Chinese either. So yes, this is the front line, but this is a lot of self-inflicted wounds that I think is an easy place for detente to start. I, mean, I just even think about, you know, hey, back to the opacity of, of certain things w without government intervention. You know, Pete, look at Luck and Coffee, for example, which I remember, if yeah. I think I'm correct, you were an investor in, and you get burned You're 100% just right. because of the lack yeah. of, of vision into exactly what's happening inside some of these businesses. You're exactly right, Scott, and that is a great example. This is a name I did very well in for a long period of time until I didn't, and they started to pull the rug out from underneath, and the next thing you know, there, there's all kinds of issues. When there wasn't anything, suddenly there's all of this, and, and you know, we just don't have enough control, and that's why I say I don't want to be in the stocks. I'll trade the options. At least I have a risk-reward there in front of me, and Steve's been trading more and more options over the last few years for sure. He understands it very well as well. The reality is you can have a dollar at, at risk, you're okay losing that. But when you're owning these stocks and you almost have a limitless fall, at least a fall down towards zero, that can be a real problem. So I, that's why I say I'd rather be in the options. I'll trade the options. I'll still trade these Chinese names. But I am still very, very apprehensive when I'm talking about the stocks themselves. Real quick, Weiss, and I got to bounce. Yeah, look, I don't come by this casually. I've been to court with Chinese companies. I've hired attorneys based in the Cayman and in, and in Hong Kong and in China. And that's the story. What I'm telling you is the truth. China takes a long term view. They want these companies to listen to their exchange. One example, you had Keo 360, which went private at nine billion dollars, relisted short term on the Shanghai exchange at a market cap of 60 billion and traded 135 billion that first day. That's what the Chinese government wants. The capital staying in China, not coming to our exchanges here. So it's not cutting off their nose to spite their face. It's building a financial system that they want to rival the U.S., right. period. Okay, let's get the headlines now with Rahel Solomon. Hi, Rahel. Hi, Scott. Hello, everyone. Here is your CNBC News update at this hour. In New York City, nearly all municipal workers will be required to get their vaccine shots or face weekly COVID testing. Also, the Biden administration is saying that it will keep existing foreign travel rules, giving the ongoing risks from the Delta variant. That means that restrictions that have barred much of the world's population from visiting the U.S. will not be lifted in the short term. And on the news, the drive to get more Americans vaccinated and where to wear your mask. Managing mandates as guidance changes tonight at 7 Eastern. And the new study indicates that it is safe to get a second dose of COVID vaccine, even if you had an allergic reaction following the first shot. Researchers looked at nearly 200 patients with reactions to the first dose and found only about one in five had reactions to the second dose, all of which were mild and well treated with antihistamines. You're now up to date, Scott. I'll send it back to All you. Right, we appreciate it, Rahel. Thank you, Rahel Solomon. All right, coming up, the biggest ETFs you need to watch today. But before the break, a look at some of the stocks hitting new highs today, including Nike, Target, and Cisco. Be right back. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. 
Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome to the ETF Edge portion of Halftime Report. I'm Bob Pisani. Confused about thematic investing? You like investing in clean tech, in cybersecurity, cloud computing, robotics, but you're not sure which ones to own or how much to allocate to them. Let's talk to Christian Magoon. He's the CEO of Amplify ETFs, who just launched the Amplify Thematic All-Stars ETF, the symbol MVPS, which focuses on the consensus of ETS, ETF investors who are buying thematic ETFs. Also joining us, Jay Jacobs, head of research and strategies at thematic tech leader Global X. Christian, describe what's in this ETF, and is there a compelling need for an ETF that tracks the most popular thematic stocks? Yeah, hi, Bob. Yeah, MVPs is an index-based ETF with 155 stocks that are owned based off what the market believes are the most compelling themes in stocks representing thematic ETF ownership. The index provider is ETF Action, who has a robust database and rebalances that data set every month so the security selection changes. We think this answers the question on which the theme should I own? How do I avoid uh, stocks that aren't pure play? This is a core thematic ETF for investors. We think the first of its kind powered by actual ETF ownership. And uh, I see Tesla, I see NVIDIA, Square and Amazon in here. Jay, let me turn to you. Global X is a leader in thematic tech investing. Where are you seeing the biggest inflows in tech investing this year in thematic tech investing. We're seeing transformation in the transportation industry. So we've seen about $4 billion going into two different themes. U.S. infrastructure development, people really trying to play that theme of the Biden administration and Congress working on passing a $579 billion transportation package. And then secondly, in lithium and battery technology, 3% of car sales in the U.S. in May and June were electric vehicles. That's the highest ever. You see companies like Mercedes, BMW, Volkswagen doubling down their EV efforts. We're seeing a massive shift in how people are going to start driving going forward. And the other tech themes, robotics, cloud computing, fintech, still money coming in, but not as strong. They remain strong. They're just not front and center for investors. I think people are very focused on playing the Biden administration because there's a lot of money coming out of the federal government right now looking for places to invest. And mostly that's in infrastructure. Okay, guys, thanks very much here. Now, there's much more with Christian and Jay coming up on ETF Edge, 1 p.m. Eastern time, including their pick for the next big thematic tech investment theme in the second half of the year. ETFedge.cnbc.com. Back to you, Scott. I appreciate that, Bobby. Thank you. Up next, Tesla gearing up to report earnings after the bell. Pete tell us what tells us what he is seeing in the options market ahead of those results, plus his latest trades in unusual activity. We'll do it after this quick break. All right, it's time for unusual activity. Pete, what do you have for us today? I'm going to start off, Scott, with Viacom. And the reason I'm bringing up this name, it doesn't hit all that often, although it has recently. As a matter of fact, Friday, they were buying August 46 calls, September 44 calls. Today, they're coming back into August and they're buying the August 48 calls, 9,500 of those trading in Viacom. So expecting some movement in Viacom in the not too distant future from now. Definitely looking at a lot of different option hit, hits there, which is very unusual. The next one I got for you, we were talking about Chinese EVs. How about NEO? NEO, mm. we had some buyers of the July 45 calls. Mm-hmm. And matter of fact, those obviously July, these expire on Friday. So very, very short term, but a nice size buyer of those at the 44 strike. So that was interesting. Coming into earnings tonight, Tesla, the most recent thing that I'd seen that, that really stood out for me was just last Thursday, we had a huge buyer of 20,000 of the puts, the 600 
100 puts out in July going into this number stock very close to the levels that it is right now. So somebody out there betting that maybe we're going to see a substantial pullback in Tesla after we hear the earnings call. Well, Kathy Wood saying Wall Street continues to value Tesla wrong. We're going to see. I mean, that's interesting. July 600 puts. We shall see. It's, uh, yeah. It al- always moves pretty yeah. big in one direction. So we're going to find out which way that is. Pete, thank you. Appreciate that. Ask Halftime is next. You can send your questions by video. We'll play them on the air. Email us, askhalftime at cnbc.com. We're back right after this break. All right, the Investment Committee answering your questions now, an earnings edition of Ask Halftime. First up, Farmer Jim from you, Todd, in Nashville, Tennessee. What do I do with Starbucks before the earnings report tomorrow? Should I buy more? Well, okay, so by buying more, that implies that you already own some, and I'm happy to hear that. If you didn't own some, I would say you should buy some. But save your dry powder for after the earnings report. We've got to respect that the stock is up 67% in a year. I do think that this has many years of growth ahead of it. It's still coming out of the pandemic. It's still a reopened stock. But respect that it's up 67% in a year. If you own it, hold on to it. Wait until after the earnings to buy it. And I don't care if the stock goes up, still buy it after earnings. Wow, okay. I mean, it's up 65% in a year, so we're going to see. That's a big call. All right, Steve Weiss to you, Mesh in Austin, Texas. Steve, your thoughts on Skyworks ahead of Thursday's earnings. What do you think? Look, I think we'll get the first indication of how they're going to report when we get Apple's earnings. Because Apple has been between 15 and 70 percent of their business for years since they supplied the RF chip. I think the quarter is going to be fine. I think the guide for the next quarter when the new phones come out is going to be very, very good. However, this stock has also had a huge move. So anything could happen. I thought the last quarter was great, but yet the stock sold off and that was a buying opportunity. So I'd say I'm owning this for the long term, the whole 5G cycle, which is 10 years than the 6G cycle. So I'm sticking with it, not doing anything in front of the earnings. Already short the SMH just to have some protection against all my semi-holdings, but this one should be fine. Okay, thank you for that. All right, let's talk about some of the stocks hitting new highs today because we do have a few owned by our panelists today. PayPal is one of them. Reports on Wednesday. Brenda, you own it. We do. And, you know, this is another stock that's up just tremendously over the last year and even for the year to date period. It's also been incredibly strong. So expectations are high. I would not buy it ahead of the quarter, certainly. Uh, But really looking for uh, what's new. And that would be, you know, potentially the company being able to take price with some of their retailers looking for more detail about buy now, pay later and the traction they're getting with that offering. Venmo has continued to be strong. So looking for more more uh, from that. But I'd say, you know, the comparisons are tough for this company year over year. So that's what gives me a little bit of pause ahead of the quarter, but still think the fundamentals remain very strong. Weiss, Moderna, I'm looking at it right now. It's down nearly 5%. Uh, it did hit a 52-week high earlier today. That's 362 even is the number of you've pitched it repeatedly on the program. So where from here? Because I think it's only right to ask every time we talk about it. I think the stock can go up multiples from here. The wrong way to look at it is as a biotech company, even that even though that's what they do. The right way to look at it, what the market's coming around to, is as a technology company with a technology that can go everywhere. In fact, their cancer trials are phenomenal, shrinking shrinking tumors by 60%. They're going to put out a flu vaccine to combine with your COVID booster, which you will need. Instead of charging $17, they'll charge $100 to $150. The future is truly unlimited for this company. And, you know, one hedge fund, very well-known hedge fund that I won't mention because I don't want to violate a confidence, but it runs about 50 billion, has a tremendous track record. They think the stock can go fivefold from here, and I'm in agreement. 
Okay, uh, we will watch shares of Moderna. We will step away. We'll come back and we'll do final trades. All right, welcome back. So, Pete, so we talked about staples a little bit with Tom Lee and areas of the market you may want to avoid. I'm told that you just bought Colgate during the program. I did. I bought the calls in Colgate, Scott, going into earnings. They're going to be on Friday, and we see some call buying in there. And because of that, I'm just going to jump on it. I like it. I like this name. This name did very well, obviously, over the last year or so. Nice move to the upside like many others. And I think there is a little bit of room still here for Colgate. So it makes sense to me, and I bought the calls. All right. We're seeing shares move up just a bit. Uh, While I've got you, Pete, I do have a question for you from a viewer uh, from Sam in New Jersey. What are your thoughts on Lockheed Martin? and the defense industry as a whole. Yeah, I like this industry. I certainly do. I know a lot of the panelists have different stocks within this. I like Lockheed Martin for a lot of different reasons. Today they had some charges that were on there that were part of it that actually seems to be pulling it down a little bit, but just a little bit, Scott. It's not about 3%. Every division was growing. I like that. And when I look at their full-year guidance, they're giving us some great guidance, and it's still a very inexpensive stock. So for all those reasons, I still want to hold on to it, and I will hold on to it. These are, this is a stock position for me, not an option position. Understood. So, so Farmer Jim, why, yeah. do, why do you own Raytheon and Northrop over Lockheed? What, what sets that one apart in your mind? Yeah, you know, with with Raytheon and Northrop Grumman, they're very similar to Lockheed Martin, but I like the bigger focus on satellites, space, missiles, reconnaissance. But all of those are focused on aerospace as far as defense. I like Lockheed Martin. I just like those other companies better for the space and satellites and surveillance business. All right, Farmer Jim, give me a final trade. That's true. You handled that well. Uh, Give me a final (laughs) Uh, trade if you don't mind. Thank you. Alaska Airlines, this was a really good report last week on their earnings, and the analysts are catching up. You're seeing upgrades and estimate revisions higher. This one's going higher. Okay, Brenda? Um, Abbott Labs. So this one has a solid diabetes franchise. The rest of the business should benefit with um, more procedures being done. And on top of that, I think we have rapid tests where the demand is not over yet for COVID rapid tests. Okay. Stephen Weiss. Volkswagen, they report Thursday, but they launched new EV, the ID6. You'll get an indication how much that market's growing when you hear Tesla tonight. So seven times earnings, you've got to buy it here. Mr. Nigerian. I'm looking at Alcoa, Scott. I just happened to see just as I was uh, sitting here, I see some Alcoa call buying. That space is on, uh, starting to move to the upside. Materials have a little bit of a move, at least today. So I like this name. I think this is a name that can go higher. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself.
Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.